Who's this, Bronson? You know who it is. <laughs> Earth, wind, and fire. Yes. As we start the, uh, you know, Earth, wind, and fire. Makes sense, right? Man, land, and sea. Earth, wind, and fire. Uh-huh. News Talk, K57. Good or good evening, rather. Uh, Dave Duenas, welcome to Man, land, and sea. Took a little bit of time. We got our guests coming in, getting them situated, uh, you know, showing them the... Uh, how to put on the headsets and hit the buttons, all that good stuff. We do have the, the good senator, Senator Sabina Perez. Half a day. Half a day. Half a day. Call me Dave, please. Dave. Either that or I'm going to call you mom. <laughs> okay. Probably her age. <laughs> and uh, our special guest from the University of Guam, uh, Dr. John Jensen with uh, Weary, better known as the uh, Water Water Energy. Water and environmental. Water and environmental. Uh, we, we changed it about 25 years ago. Okay, there you go. Dr. Jensen, and uh, he brought a, a, a partner with him, sir? Yep. Joe Rouse, also of Weary, also helping with the engineering program, too. Sure. So, By all means, you can put your headsets on if you like. Um, that way, when we do get calls or anything, you can hear what the caller wants to talk about. And, uh, John, you know, as we were preparing to get the show started, uh, I was asking you actually a lot of questions because I, I, I know just a little bit about the aquifer and the water lens. One of the first things I asked John, and for those of you out there in radio, I said, you know, you hear about the water lens, you hear about the aquifer. Are they one and the same or not? And the answer was? The water lens is a layer of water inside the aquifer. Is it below or top or tiny, it's, or it doesn't it, matter? It's freshwater lens about 100 feet thick that floats on top of the seawater underneath it. Ah, fantastic. And, um, you know, another question as we were talking off the air, one of the questions I wanted to ask was uh, if you pump the water straight out of the, of the aquifer or the water lens, is it drinkable? Yep. It is? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we've got uh, a really... Terrific aquifer by worldwide standards. This is this is one of the best. One of the best. Do we have any idea how much uh, the volume, the amount of water that the, that thing holds? Well, if you take the amount of water that you get during the rainy season, mm -hmm. which is the only time we get recharged to the aquifer, mm -hmm. and average that over 365 days of the year, uh -huh. it gives you an average of about 240 million gallons a day. Wow. So we got ample amount of water. We're, we're producing about 35 to 40 million gallons a day. Wow. Wow. I think the, one of the big questions I asked you, because I didn't know. I didn't know. And that's why I asked you to come in. You know, most of the people out there probably don't know as well. We always hear that it's in the northern part of Guam. And I asked you, I said, is there any in the south? You know, Agat, Marito, is there an aquifer or a water lens in that area? Well, the south is volcanic terrain instead of limestone. Limestone is really porous and absorbs water like a big sponge. Okay. The, uh, the volcanic rock doesn't have nearly the same porosity, so it doesn't absorb and it doesn't absorb water as readily. But you can get water out of it. There are places you can put wells where you can get a few, say, 10 gallons a minute or 20 gallons a minute, which would be enough for a household. Mm -hmm. And uh, in contrast, in the north, GWA doesn't usually bother to bring a well online unless they get at least 150 gallons a minute out of it. They've got wells that, that uh, produce 500 gallons a minute, 
the top producer is 750 gallons a minute, which is more than a million gallons a day. Hmm. Are you familiar with that, uh, I don't know if it's called actually a well or not, but in Tumon, right near Tarza? You ever been there? You ever seen yeah. that place? Yes. Senator? I got to tour it, actually. Yeah, it's, I went there, like, geez, got to be 30 years ago. It's a, it goes down. The Tumon Maui well, they call it. Yeah, that's operated, I believe, by the military. Uh, now it's uh, GWA is um, operating it as a proof of concept. Okay. So they were given the license to run it as long as they meet certain requirements as far as pumping mm-hmm. is concerned uh, to go towards the northern part of Guam or the base. And what's the name of that particular one? Uh, it's the Tumon Maui Well. Yeah. yeah. It's traditionally yeah. just been it's called the Tumon Maui. It's just an amazing facility. It, yeah. go, it goes, I don't know, maybe a few hundred feet underground. Right. It's like a cave. And then when you get down there, it's just a big crevasse, big opening down there with some huge machines. Right. How long has that been there? You just been there every for, day? For, for, uh, heaven knows. Heaven knows. <laughs> <laughs> long, long time. And there's, is that a river? They also have like a, yeah. I don't know. I, it, it's a thousand foot long tunnel that was built by the military mm-hmm. in 1948, I think it was. Wow. I, I've got some articles from the Chicago Tribune that carry Yeah. I went uh, there once picture. and I yeah. was just blown away. I said, wow. You know, going down is just awesome. It's just a, like a <laughs> hole in the ground going down with stairs and lights along and cables along yeah. the way. And they don't have anything really like it's that. Like that. It's a mine shaft in the, a way. Yeah, yeah. It was just yeah. awesome. And yeah, you have to be careful because the oxygen, they really have to monitor the oxygen level. Oh, um, they didn't tell me that when they <laughs> went down there. I was yeah. working for Anderson at the time, and uh, I think we had to go there to maintain some of the generators down there. But it was just an awesome, and it's it's an active well. Yeah, it's it's a, what hydrologists call a skimming well. Mm. It's skimming water right off the top of the lens. Uh, I see. It's right at the water table. The reason you go down is because you go down to sea level. The the lens is just a at, at that position close to the coast. It's only a few inches above sea level. Yeah, and I recall when you get all the way down in there. Um, yeah, again, there's those huge machines. I guess the pumps. I guess. But then there's there was this. It looked like a river. It was just well, a yeah, it's 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 water. You're, you're looking at the lens when you're. In wow, I was looking at the lens. Yeah, that's the top. <laughs> that's the top of the freshwater lens. Wow, um, that you've been you've been there. Yeah, somewhere? I've been there, and actually you can see uh, how high the the high water mark uh-huh. by the I guess the, the it leaves a mark. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's kind of interesting how. Um, it can fluctuate, the levels can fluctuate based mm-hmm. on the, the season. Is that yeah. the only type of, that type of well on island? Well, there's another one that's uh, in Tamooning behind the Taco Bell, behind by the ITC building. And it goes down it's, as well? It's called the ASORP Tunnel. I mm-hmm. don't know what the acronym a- A-C-E-O-R-P stood for, but it was built by the Navy about that same era. And it, it's a three-pronged well. It doesn't, it, it has three tunnels that the beach go back a couple hundred feet, and so but it was salty from the beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, so they never really used it much, and it's it's been out of service for a long time. Here in Guam, are we ever ever in danger of um, pumping up salty water? Well, we we could do it if we wanted to, but as long as we're careful and do it right, uh, we, we're well endowed. With stay them. stay within the limits, you know, at yeah. per se. Yeah, well, we're we're pumping about 17% of recharge. The rule of thumb amongst hydrologists is that you could um, 
you, you can pump up to about 40% of recharge before it gets too expensive and too too difficult to, to engineer the right kind of uh, wells. Mm -hmm. And Joe, uh, at Weary, what, uh, what exactly do you do there? Well, I'm the wastewater part of the cycle, mostly. Okay. Wastewater treatment, also water resources in general. Okay. Mm -hmm. and including not those on the surface, but in the groundwater as well. It would apply to the aquifer. You know. Is how often, if any, that the water lens, the aquifer, is uh, monitored, tested? Oh, great, great question. We have, we have. <laughs> I, from my understanding, it's quarterly. Um, Quarter? They have to submit uh, yeah. some chloride. And who who does the testing? Waterworks? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, um, very important. Has to monitor that. Very important. You know, as a consumer, <laughs> I, I want to know. I want to make sure the water coming out mm -hmm. of my. You know, they 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 tell me that uh, I drink bottled water at home, but uh, some people still to this day drink water straight from the tap. So mm -hmm. we, yeah, and we uh, rely on the uh, authority, Waterworks, for in this case, uh, to ensure that uh, we're we're drinking. You know water that's not contaminated. Right, mm. and the Safe Drinking Water Act is the one that um, basically uh, oversees that. So um, the municipal water system is actually much more stringent than uh, the bottled water companies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, they have to follow regulations um, more tightly. They actually are monitored more closely by e EPA. Uh, so um, that's, that's something I think to um, consider when you're purchasing bottled water in addition to the plastic waste Yes. Um, you know that, that big problem. Yes. And the, whatever leaches into your water, uh, it's something of concern. Mm. Yeah, our water is actually very good quality water. Yeah. I drink mm. the tap water. Yeah. It also has Sometimes. calcium too, right? So okay. it has calcium. Yes. Uh, in <laughs> fact, in fact, I like to point out to my students if you read the uh, chemical analysis of it, the natural mineral in it, it has the same analysis as Avion, which people pay. A couple, couple dollars for a liter of it. Wow! I mean, you, you you pay a hundredth of a cent of, for a gallon of uh, GWA water, and it's a, it, it, it's it has the same hard. People are used to drinking hard water, mm -hmm. like the taste of hard water, and it's good for you because it has the same what your teeth and bones are made out of, and. Mm -hmm. uh, we we could we could bottle our water and sell it as Avion and nobody would know the difference. <laughs> well, I prefer, well, I prefer not to. <laughs> Just keep our water here. I live in the north, and every now and then, you know, like when I make my morning coffee, I prefer to use, which is my preference, bottled water because I, well, I always feel the tap water has just. A taste of yeah, chlorine. Yeah. It just yeah. it just makes the coffee taste a little yeah. different. Well, in some places it's chlorinated more than it is in others. Uh huh. But uh, they're chlorinating it mainly just to meet regulatory standards and make sh absolutely sure it's safe. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of cases, um, it, it really doesn't need to be chlorinated. You could mm -hmm. you could you could drink it straight out of the well. And, mm, interesting, interesting. Um, I asked you before we went on the air. Um, I I know a little bit about it, but most people probably don't. And a description of how or what does a water aquifer or an aquifer look like? 
what is it? It's made out of here in the north. It's limestone. Okay. With well, a lot of holes in it or something. <laughs> on the radio, you have to describe it. In, yes, in exactly. Words here, so <laughs> let me, let me yeah. do my best you can. Layman's terms. Okay. Think, think of uh, now. Ours is a coastal island aquifer, so it's different than an aquifer in Idaho. Hmm. In what uh, sense? In the sense that it's like a big sponge. Think of the island as a big sponge sitting in a bowl of salt water. Okay. That comes about, say, halfway up the thickness of the sponge. So that sponge is going to contain salt water in the part that's underwater in the, in the bowl. Mm -hmm. So that's the ocean, and, and that's the way it would look if there's no rain. If we had no rain, you'd just have seawater down there at sea level when you drill the well down there. Mm -hmm. Okay, now start raining. So take a, a water sprinkler uh, uh, and sprinkle some water on the top of that sponge, and the sponge is going to absorb that water, and the fresh water will percolate down until it reaches the seawater. And when it reaches the seawater, it's going to float on the seawater because it's lighter than the seawater. Hmm. The seawater is heavier because it contains all that salt. Correct. How much salt does it contain? It, it, contains, it contains enough to float... Uh, the fresh water, just like water floats an ice cube because it's less dense. Mm. Yeah, the misconception is that there's a lake, but that's yeah. not the case. It's not a, an, an, a, a cavernous open space, and there's a lake underneath. Again, that's, that's why, you know, again, it's difficult to describe uh, mm. in, in words, but uh, mm. that's why I asked the question. A lot of people out there, most people don't know, how does it look like? We hear about the waterlands and the aquifer, but how does What's the concept of the, How does it look? And you explained it very well. It's like they, a sponge. And yeah. And the other thing to know about it is, is that it's in motion. As you, as you, as water percolates down. Okay. Uh, we do have our first caller of the evening, and uh, it's for the senator. Senator, half a day. Half a day. Caller, you got a question? Half a day, Dave. Half a day, Dave. Half a day. Good evening. Hey, half a day, Guam, and, and Dr. Jensen and other guests. Very, very nice discussion on, on the aquifer and other things. Uh, this is Ron McNinch. I have a quick question for Senator Perez that's related to, to land, and it's, it's related to the uh, state historic preservation officer controversy. And I was wondering if I could just, we could ask for the senator's views on it, and then I'll quickly hang up. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Ron. Uh, yeah, I think the, her. Her termination, I think, was a, was a surprise to many of us. Yes. Um, and I think that um, without uh, somebody there in the position who has such historical knowledge of what it takes to protect these um, our, our cultural sites, um, we're at a risk of losing them. And I, I think it's important that she be reinstated in her position, um, considering what what's at stake. Thank you. Thank you, Senator, for responding to that, uh, Mr. McNitch and his call. And, um, again, the uh, water lens, the aquifer is tested quarterly, you said? Um, that's my understanding, but I, I know we're going to have uh, Evangeline yes. uh, Lujan come in, so she could probably corroborate that. But yes, uh, last time I checked, it. I believe it was quarterly, that they determined the, the salt levels, which is um, an indication of overpumping potentially and mm -hmm. may put us at risk of saltwater infiltration, which will... Uh, threaten the, the you know the, 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 the our, our water. Mm. Is Guam Guam EPA involved in this uh, testing as well? To 
whatever degree? I believe they we, they have to report to them. So oh, um, there okay. there is the regulatory networks that work together, mm, and okay. um, they uh, EPA does. Um, they're the ones that permit if there's additional wells that are going to be drilled. Um, they're the ones that oversee that. Mm. Yeah, we, we also have a monitoring program called the Comprehensive Water Monitoring Program. Okay, which is uh, supported by the legislature, and. Uh, provides matching funding with the federal government, the uh, U.S. Geological Survey. It sends uh, a team out quarterly mm -hmm. to collect data on seven wells that we have that penetrate the entire thickness of the lens. So we, we are continually gathering data. We just download the data every, uh, every uh, quarter. But uh, we're gathering continuous data on the water levels and the thickness of the freshwater lens, salinity profiles. Mm -hmm. There's a program underway now called the, the One Guam Aquifer Monitoring Program, in which the Navy is going to install seven additional wells in the areas that they're developing as part of the buildup. So we'll have 14 wells and we'll have coverage of the entire aquifer, at least one well in each basin. Are we in any jeopardy or danger of over pumping? with the build-up uh, no. schedule? No. Oh, great. That's good news. Good news. Mm -hmm. Exactly how far, uh, how many feet down do you have to go to hit the, uh, the aquifer? You have to go to sea level. The, sea level. The, the water table is about, is from a few inches to a few feet above sea level. The thickest part is, is about four to six feet above sea level, and the thinnest part is right next to the coast where it's virtually at sea level. Hmm. The northern... And if northern Guam, though, that means you have to go down two, three, four, five hundred feet sometimes to get uh -huh. to it through the limestone. Is there ever a time when the water, the aquifer, is overfilled that the, the water leaches out somewhere? Mm -hmm. Great question. The, the water is continually in motion. It's in what hydrologists call a state of dynamic equilibrium. It says the the amount of water that comes in is equal to the amount of water going out. Mm. It's like a big conveyor belt. And as the rainfall hits the surface, it's percolating down everywhere. And as that water percolates down to the water table, fills up the lens, and the lens maintains a, a sufficient hydraulic gradient to push that water out at the coast. And uh, so, the recharge equals discharge. The places around the coastline where you can see fresh water seeping out. So, mm. if you if you go down to Tumon Bay in the afternoon, around the full moon or the uh, new moon, mm -hmm. when you got the really low tides and and uh, the whole beach is exposed and there's little springs and seeps with water running out of it, that's discharged from the aquifer. Ah, interesting. Really interesting stuff. Mm. Uh, speaking of that, we do have a caller on John. Good evening, John. Off a day. Off a day. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, hey, I wanted to uh, uh, let the uh, listening audience know that I did uh, inquire uh, about the water quality, and I was um, pleasantly surprised to um, um, uh, get an answer about um, uh, one chemical that's, that's um, starting to become more newsworthy, and that's the uh, uh, per per chlorinated fluorocarbons that are down in like um, firefighter stones mm -hmm. that could be uh, uh, pretty persistent in uh, certain aquifers. But I uh, just want to let the listening audience know that 
that there is no indication of that. I, I, re- I received a, a recent email from, I guess, a, a water quality manager, and so that just increased my confidence in the local water quality. So I just wanted you to uh, uh, to state that, and thanks for taking my call. Thank you, John. Thank you. Uh, very good. Let's uh, over PFOS compounds in general for a large category of different chemicals. PFOS would be one particular one. Um, yeah, well, well, that's a pretty relatively new concern, and we do have a team studying that, but as far as I know, that has to be sampled off, I mean, determined off-island, right? There's no, no place we can get those analysis done on-island. Hmm. And so it's, an, it's still an expensive adventure. Is it something that should be addressed probably um, in the future? Yes, uh, actually, um, there was, uh, um, what is it, a campaign last year uh, to include testing, biomonitoring mm-hmm. uh, for PFOS, um, within communities that are close to bases or on bases. And so it was actually passed in the National Defense Authorization Act uh, for funding for that sort. And um, we still have a chance to actually be a part of that study. Um, I believe EPA is looking into applying for that to get some testing done on uh, children and adults in, in our community. And so, um, yeah, PFAS, so sa- again, the Safe Drinking Water Act is what. Uh, determines uh, how, or how our water is regulated, our drinking water is regulated. Mm-hmm. And so there are chemicals that are not listed, and this is one of them that's an, it's called an emergent chemical. Uh, it's recognized as uh, something that causes health, health hazards. Mm. Um, and so right now EPA has a, a maximum limit of 70 parts per trillion. New Jersey, I believe, has 20 parts per trillion as what's allowable in their drinking water. Uh, California is still determining their level, and apparently it takes a lot of uh, studies uh, for this to be uh, a level to be set. So right now we're following EPA's limits. Um, there are two wells that are shut down because um, they haven't been able to remediate the problem. That's Agani Well 23 and Agani Well 25. And my understanding is that they need to acquire land to, to build a, um, a GAX, uh, a filter, mm-hmm. that would filter out the, the PFOS. Sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's alright with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be Good evening. Welcome back to Man, Land, and Sea, News of Guam and our island environment. Dave Duane is with you. And we've got the uh, good Senator Sabina uh, Paris with us, Dr. John Jensen with Weary, and his partner, Jew. Joe, what's your last name again? Rouse. 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 I apologize. Yeah. I forgot my glasses at home. I can't see a darn thing. <laughs> can't see a darn thing. 
And we do have another guest coming in, uh, hopefully shortly, Banji Luhan with, uh, I believe she's with GW, Water. GW. Yeah, GWA. And uh, again, we, uh, during the break, uh, we were discussing that uh, PFAS. PFAS. Very uh, enlightening to know that uh, traces of that have been uh, found. Yeah. Well, they're showing up everywhere around the country. But <laughs> that's we all, fine. We all have it in our system, too, from what yeah. I understand. 90% of us probably. It's, it's in Scotchgard, the fabric. Uh, PFAS. Fabric treatments, and it, it's kind of everywhere. They only just recently discovered that it might be a problem. might not be very healthy for you. But uh, and also interesting to find out that uh, we don't have the testing equipment needed here on the island, and it has to be sent out to be tested. Is that right, Joe? Yes, for us it is. If there's yeah. a hidden equipment somewhere <laughs> on the military base that we don't know about, I don't know. No, we have to send it out. There's oh. a lot. I wonder the cost on that. I wonder if it takes a lot. Um, that, that's a big part of the cost, yeah. shipping it to a mainland site, get it tested. Yeah. 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 And it's a matter of the economies of scale. You know, does, this, uh, does one little lab buy an expensive machine just to do a few samples a year? Mm -hmm. Or do you send it to a big lab that does thousands of samples with True. their machines? Good point. And so Good point. Yeah, you get a way to, you know, mm -hmm. what the options are. And But uh, I, for one, uh, you know, if it, it ain't too costly, uh, I think it would be for the long haul. In the, long in the big picture, yeah. it will be a, a really good investment. Yeah, we're looking at expanding the Weary Lab. And it's part of our strategic plan to mm -hmm. upgrade our lab facility and eventually... Uh, I'd like to move Weary into a larger building. Up, um, the university master plan calls for putting a, a new building for Weary next to the engineering school when it goes up. If I'm not mistaken, you're down mm -hmm. near Marine Lab, right? We're down next to Marine Lab. Yeah. yeah so uh, we're we're ready to expand. We're busting at the seams. We've got a new faculty member coming, and we're having to build a little cubicle for him in the back lab. Mm. And. Um, the, uh, the the work that we have coming in the uh, the potential for um, is Weary is Weary's budget tied in with UOGs? Yeah, we're part of UOG. Okay. We're we're, we're every land grant university and, and UOG is a land grant university has a water resources research institute mm -hmm. under the uh, Federal uh, Water Resources Act of 1964. Mm. Has the University of Guam Senator come up uh, on the budget hearing, Jeff? I believe so. Yeah, we did have a hearing early on. Um, mm -hmm. I did. I have to take a closer look at and see the line item for um, Weary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we have uh, the university pays our faculty salaries, um, and the legislature since uh, 1998, when they passed the uh, Public Law 24. 167 and 247 created the Guam Hydrologic Survey Program, which mandates us maintaining a database and providing advice and assistance to public agencies and, and, and uh, the people of Guam. And uh, the Comprehensive Water Monitoring Program, which allows us to collect these data out of these wells and provide advice and assistance to the, to the uh, government and, and public and private sectors. Those those are both supported by the legislature and very important, very productive. We've, we've graduated 50. We, we we support the environmental science program, graduate environmental science program. 
fact, Dr. Rouse is, is chair of the program, mm -hmm. and the uh, Weary faculty have have played an important role in that over the years. We've in the since we graduated our first student in 1997, we've graduated almost 60 students now. Wow! And Incredible. most of them, a lot of them, have stayed here on island, and, and they're working in the uh, public and private sector. We're real proud of them. Yeah, you should be. Yeah, fantastic that they're staying. You know, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. We train them, and then they take off. Yeah. Oh my goodness, no! Stay here. Help, uh, help our island. Help our environment. You know, our environment is very fragile. We and we, the people of Guam, you know, if we can do anything that we can in our part to ensure that uh, you know we're not contaminating our, our water source, for mm -hmm. example. And I, I brought this up briefly with you, John. Um, uh, Contamination. You know, we, we hear about don't dump waste oil and directly on the soil. That that has possible uh, effects to the contaminating our water, right? Yeah, we we want to practice good uh, conservation habits and proper disposal of hazardous materials is is an important one to teach our kids in the school and mm -hmm. for all of us to do right. In addition to salinity, we're also testing like on nitrogen in the form of nitrate. Which is a good indicator of human activity. Hmm. So it's. Um, How about is there any data, any de data on you know we do have a lot of uh, wildlife out there you know pigs for example wild pigs and are they having any effect on uh, the quality of the water or being contaminated to an extent? In principle, anything would. I mean, a lot of people probably are greater concern than the pigs. Oh, okay. So, uh, well, don't don't. <laughs> and that's, uh, of course, we got a lot of pigs here. Much of a northern. Guam is um, not sewered. A lot of it's still a septic tank zones. Yes. And um, if yes. they're operating properly, though, it's um, spread out in tile fields, or it's just like a, a biologically active treatment plant in itself. And the Vado zone is very thick, and we're monitoring it closely. So nitrates, if they get up to, well, the limit is 10 milligrams per liter, but if they reach 5 milligrams per liter, GWA sounds the alarm. And just sort of evaluate why it's getting higher. Hmm. Um, it's okay now, but we do see a, a creep creeping up in the hmm. nitrogen and groundwater. Yeah, that's a challenge, I think, when you live over your water source. I, I know in the states they they coordinate it off. There's you know a fence around the reservoir, um, but here we live atop where our drinking water comes from, and so and, you know when I, we go out and we do outreach for um, you know uh, illegal regarding illegal dumping. That's some something I want to get across is. People don't realize that our drinking water comes from the ground, or most of the drinking water comes from the ground. And so, when you dump things out, um, whether it be just you know plastic bottles or oil, that eventually um, whatever chemicals that are there can leach into your own drinking water and, and impact exactly. your own health. Exactly. Well, even to you know, even to a, a while back, it's probably a few months ago. This got to do with uh, um, prescription drugs. You know, they tell you turn them in. You know, if you're not using them anymore, don't dispose them in your toilet or whatever, because <laughs> you wind up getting some <laughs> some drugs in the water. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, no, that's something we don't test. Is the you know the you know the, the pharmaceutical drugs, the exactly. caffeine, and that out eventually can end up in our coral reef, yes. uh, in our oceans, and affecting our reefs. Okay. So yeah, I hope that never happens. Uh, and Joe mentioned briefly about uh, you know the effects that uh, you know versus pigs you know humans us um, you know most of us are some of us are on the sewer system the sewer lines and others have septic tanks but some of them don't have 
nothing. They're just still using the old-fashioned outhouse. Is that something that uh, through legislation we can mandate by law? Or I don't know. Maybe it is a law already. Um, possibly. But I was told by one of the experts that uh, his concern was more of the sewer uh, because if there's a breakage, you get a, a huge concentration of nitrates. And um, he felt like he, I, the person I spoke to said um, the, the septic tanks, at least th- 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 there's a small concentration, but when you're dealing with the sewage pipes, mm. that might be a bigger concern. Well, true, yeah. It's, um, it's very preliminary, not statistically significant, really, but in sewer zones, it, it looks at times we see higher nitrate concentrations as opposed to non sewer zones. Mm-hmm. With one break, it can, really can do a lot of damage. Yeah. I, years ago, they had a contractor, and it was uh, via the Navy, the Navy housing area. They brought in a contractor from the States to, they actually sent uh, cameras. In, under the sewer lines to take pictures and see if there's any cracks and then this machine would go in there and, and fix them or uh, hey, well you plug them up I guess that's right yeah, yeah and maybe for that exact type of purpose right to uh, I'm sure more of that would be in, in mind yeah, yeah. I, I don't believe I don't know if Guam ever done it but uh, well I know they're doing, going through a lot of uh, capital improvement projects and part of that is the sewage uh, uh, replacing the sewer lines. Yes, yeah, because of the fact, like uh, like Joe said, you know, if they're if they're cracked or damaged, it could be a higher concentrate of uh, contaminants. Mm-hmm. But as far as that technology, I think there is something, uh, if I recall, um, there is they're using some special type of technology. Yeah, uh, this was like, geez, got to be about 30, 35, 40 years ago. But uh, they actually, I remember, I was working that job. I was hired uh, temporarily by the contractor that they brought in from the states. And they actually, they, it was a jet, uh, water jet propulsion. They sent it in there into the sewer line with a camera attached to it, and then it finds the damage or the crack, and then it has another machine that goes in there and kind of seals off that particular area mm-hmm. and uh, seals the crack. I wonder so, how things have advanced since then. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, I would imagine, and I don't know, do you, Senator, or Waterworks, like I said, with the capital improvement, maybe that's something they're going to be addressing. Yeah, I think there was mm-hmm. something they're, they're, they're doing that's a unique and um, more advanced, but I, I don't recall the actual term or the, the term for that. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, most of us, uh, you know, we just take it for granted. we got water coming out. Everything's good. Everything's fine. It's, we're drinking good water. And as John said, Dr. Jensen, uh, we've got some of the best water and one of the best water lenses in the world. So... Mm-hmm. And we talked about that briefly. Uh, I said, Saipan, you ever been to Saipan, John? You know, I, the water there was so salty, salty. And you mentioned to me that uh, they either have the, the wells dug too deep or they were over-pumping the water. But uh, I said, couldn't it, wouldn't it be as simple as to just take that pump and bring it up a little bit so they're not sucking up all the salt water instead? And he said, yeah, it probably can be done. Yeah, they could. In fact, they've made some progress up there, but uh, they they have uh, uh, good parts of their aquifer that could be developed properly. And it's it's a matter of getting the water from where it is to where it's needed. Mm. And uh, you know, in, in the old days, they didn't know exactly where the best water was, and they needed water right here now, right now. So they put a well down that's deep enough to get the water. And, Water was a little salty, but they had to live with it. So, 
Yeah, it was very salty. Yeah. <laughs> very. Yeah. Un- definitely undrinkable. Yeah. Um, barely yeah. tolerable. Yeah. I could barely even brush my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really terrible, and uh, I hope we never get to that point here in Guam. No, there's no reason for us to. We and um, we we don't set our wells deeper than 40 feet, and the water lens in the places that we've developed is usually about 100 feet deep, so we've got a lot of headroom. Hmm. Uh, and uh, and we're monitoring it. We, we've got good data on it. One of the things that uh, we've learned from the Comprehensive Water Monitoring Program is is how the lens responds to recharge and how it responds to pumping. And we've got we've got good data on that that we provide to the policymakers and the legislature and the regulators and Guam EPA and the producers of GWA. Fantastic, Senator. Oh, so I just have a question for Dr. Jensen. Sure. So are we in a drought, and how do you determine that? I should have brought Dr. Landon with me. Well, one of the uh, uh, I mentioned a little while ago this study that we just recently completed a 16-year record of how the water lens responds to to recharge. We started uh, the data set in 2002, and uh, the end of the data set was 2016 that we're using. And it's it documents the fact that the lens fills up quickly when you have wet years, and it drains slowly during the dry years, which is exactly the way you'd want to design an aquifer. Mm. And it turns out we really got uh, lucky when we set up that uh, data collection program when we did because the first uh, five years were is the second wettest five-year period in the history that we've been keeping records. And it was culminated by Typhoon Ting Ting, which put down one of the heaviest rainfall that any... Here in Guam? That any, any storm ever put down. It, it, it didn't have damaging winds, but it, it rained really, really hard. Mm. And, and then that was followed from, from uh, uh, about 2008 by the second driest five-year period in history. So we had a perfect natural experiment, and you can see the lens thicken during the first five years, and thicken real fast, and you can see an immediate response to the typhoon, and and then you see a slow response to the drought years, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, uh, um, we we like I say, you you can see that the, the lens fills up fast and it holds that water. So it, it's designed to get us through the droughts. Now, we are having a, a, a Mark Lander told me just the other day that the uh, uh, this particular March and April there may be a record dry season uh, dry season months. We normally get about two inches of rain a month during March and April. We had about a half an inch uh, during March and a half inch during April. So it's one of the driest dry seasons we've had. Now that doesn't necessarily mean you're in a drought. It depends how you define a drought. It has to be several years. But but one of the things that's important to know is it doesn't matter how dry the dry season is because the, wa- the water lens doesn't get any recharge during the dry season anyway. We get all of our, all of our recharge during the wet season when we get about 70% of our, our rainfall. That uh, that comes during the year comes during the six months from July through December. 
What matters is how dry or how wet your wet season is. We get a lot of that as well. We get a lot. Definitely, we get a lot. It's rainy season's coming up. I heard. Um, yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. You know, I I know living up north in Dedido, um, the lawn is not as green as it used to be. It's uh, but it's coming back. You know, it'll green up. Yeah, it definitely will. <laughs> I got to get ready. Time to cut the grass. 23 minutes after 7, uh, Dr. John Jensen and uh, Dr. Joe Roos and uh, good Senator Sabina Perez in the studio. Man, Land, and Sea is brought to you by our good sponsor, the Guam Coastal Management Program and the Bureau of Statistics and Plans. We thank them so much for sponsoring the show. And, uh, you know, speaking of dry weather, you know, we did have a lot of wildland fires because of it. So mm. terrible stuff. Terrible stuff, wildland fires. They were everywhere, too. Yeah, they were. And it lo- takes a lot of resource to take them. Uh, and, of course, you know, the uh, the soil gets uh, eroded down to the oceans and right covers the, the corals and damage the corals, smothers the corals. Uh, once again, um, gentlemen, I, it's a pleasure to have you in the studio. Um, a lot of good stuff we're talking about. Uh, you know, that PFAS, the, the one that got me really interested and excited or yeah. Concern so with the PFAS. If you want to learn more, there's actually a conference next week. It's the Pacific Islands Environmental Conference hosted by Guam EPA. Um, they actually have an expert coming in from New Jersey mm. um, to talk about PFAS. So, uh, and when is this? It's next week. I, don't know, I have to look at the schedule. or There's something online if you can check um, sure. the PIEC conference. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, I would highly suggest if you want to learn more about that. Um, yeah. And, yeah, we do plan on uh, having an informational hearing at the legislature uh, in July regarding PFAS. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're trying to recruit people to be part of the study, the biomonitoring study, uh, because we've been exposed to this chemical for so long. And it, it does cause um, testicular cancer. I just looked it up. Um, also, um, I think liver cancer. Let me just double check this. My goodness. So it causes... Um, so. Uh, it can cause developmental effects in, to fetuses. Um, so it can cause low birth weight, altered puberty, skeletal variations in uh, um, our, uh, fetuses. It causes cancer, testicular and kidney. There's some liver effects, um, immune effects, uh, thyroid effects. So thyroid is something related to your metabolism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can cause you know, potentially obesity. It could be connected to obesity. Oh, we already have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help to have uh, thyroid effects. Unfortunately, here in Guam, uh, that's a problem. But, uh, yeah, I think that it is very concerning and something that we should be uh, on top of, completely on top of, you know, just the uh, health, health risks, really. You know, and right now you said, uh, Joe, it's not really a major concern right now or what? Well, it's a growing concern, mainly, but still... We're looking into it now for the first time. Hmm. It's up the last half year or so. Something very, yeah. I'm. uh, You got my interest very, very much. uh, I know it hit the news in 2016, uh and uh, I believe that's when EPA came out with their maximum level. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think with any kind of uh, contaminant, it takes a long time for it to be uh, included in the Safe Drinking Water Act. Hmm. And so here we're living on Guam, um, you know, close to military bases, which use a lot of chemicals that are not yet listed. And so, um, you know, what the agencies are testing may not be enough uh, to ensure the health of our community. Yeah, 
And, and that's my point right there. You know, um, we need to be on top of this. We need to ensure that uh, we're getting some. Uh, we're not going to be uh, affected by this in the long run. In the long haul, you know, and, and to wait to, you know, if we need to get a machine that, to do the testing, get it. I think it's a, a worthwhile investment by, by all means. Twenty-seven minutes after seven, and uh, Bronson, you got something? We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Take two. And action. Want to know more about the latest films hitting the theaters? Watch Take Two Coming Attractions with yours truly, Tony Wilder II, Wednesdays on PNC at 5.30 p.m. on ABC7 and 7 p.m. on Fox 6. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, as well as a movie review every Friday at YouTube.com slash Take Two Coming Attractions is sponsored by Pizza Hut and Bank of Hawaii. And cut. Okay, let's do that 500 more times. Holiday sports fans, this is Leo Payumo, your Guam sports guy. Ever wanted to know your favorite Guam sports stars on a more personal level? Well, I've got you covered with our bi-weekly segment on PNC called Fast, Featured Athlete Sports Talk. Watch rising talent in the sports world on Guam. Share their lives both on and off the court or field every Monday and Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on ABC7 and 7 p.m. on Fox 6. Sponsored by Community First Guam Federal Credit Union. Fast is a Red Dragon production. Coming attractions promo, take two. And action. Want to know more about the latest films hitting the theaters? Watch Take Two Coming Attractions with yours truly, Tony Wilder II, Wednesdays on PNC at 5.30 p.m. on ABC7 and 7 p.m. on Fox 6. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, as well as a movie review every Friday at youtube.com slash smdblog. Take Two Coming Attractions is sponsored by Pizza Hut and Bank of Hawaii. And cut. Okay, let's do that 500 more times. Half a day. This is Shalisa from Wise Out Animal Hospital. Wise Out has been caring for our community for over 13 years, providing ultra-modern veterinary services and setting the standard for animal care on Guam since 2005. Now we've gone a step further to create a charity that helps improve care on island for strays and other animals in need. 100% of the donations to the I'll Be There For You Fund stay on Guam to improve local animal care. Check out our website at wiseout.net or give us a call at 646-CARE. 